right, welcome to another episode of Operation Limitless. I'm Brett Lichtenberg. I'm here with Sal Rosano, Mark Peterson, Bill Schiffenauer, and our producer, Bad Brad Newfeld. And we have the pleasure today of bidding with Vince Rocco Vargas, um, star of an upcoming Amazon Prime movie. Maybe it's already out. We'll double check on that. A really cool veterans project. And he's also one of the stars of the Mayan MC TV show on FX, correct, Vince? That's correct. Awesome. Uh, since you and Sal know each other, I'm just going to let Sal kind of take it away, put myself on mute. And I just, but I do want to say, you know, from all of us here in uh, Utah and Team Limitless, we're really honored to have you with us. So thanks for being here, man. Thank you very much. <clears throat> cool, Vinny. What's up, man? How are you? Good, man. Good, good. Very good. So, quick little background on Vinny. Um, I met Vince a couple years ago, maybe three, four years ago at a wrestling match. And uh, long story short, his daughter was on the mat and he was at the edge yelling at her. And she looked up and said, shut up, dad. <laughs> and ironically, that happened to me like 15 minutes earlier in the, in the wrestling tournament. So I was like, I love this guy. Um, and I'm not going to steal a lot of his thunder because I think he's got a great story, but in the end, you know, the more I listen to his iPods, the more I get to know him, the more I see him, this guy's energy is just off the hook. I mean, he he's out coaching his little boy in football, too, which was another surprise to me. So every time I turn around, he's doing something that I think is is foundational to Operation Limitless. Um, he's an Army Ranger. I won't hold that against him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's a good dude. Um his story is phenomenal. And, and Vinny, if you don't mind, we'd like to hear your story, man. We'd like to hear where you came from and how you got to where you're going. Cause you've, you've got great success right now. And, and I love watching every time I see something new with you, I'm just mesmerized on how far you're going and what you're doing. So. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Um, you want me to just give kind of a quick rundown to from where I started, where I am now, and then we'll pick it apart. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, anything, even what you do as a veteran, however you want to roll with it. I mean, this yeah. is a story. Um, well, too easy. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in in the San Fernando Valley, uh, Los Angeles, California, kind of back in the time when there was a lot of gangs. Uh, my father's a former gang member, turned his life around from, you know, he got arrested and joined the Marines. And then he got out and became a firefighter. But then my brother kind of got pulled into the similar circle. And they their, their idea for me, which I'm five years younger than my oldest brother, their idea for me was to focus on sports. Uh, and sports will keep me out of the, the whole street life. And it did. I played baseball since I was four all the way up until college. Um, I lost the chance to to go further because of my education, right? I was a I was taking theater classes just so I can get A's and eventually it caught up to me, <laughs> you know, um, you know, my mother, my father comes from the streets because his father was an alcoholic and, and, and abusive. And my mother comes from poverty. Uh, she was nine, 10 years old, picking fruit in uh, El Paso, Texas, just to help the family. And so, you know, they're both very grounded individuals and, and have kind of raised me with the mindsets of, of, you know, the harder you work, the more you could accomplish. And and that was really, to me, the fact that I have a big family is because my parents showed me how to raise a family. You know, the reasons I continue to, to not have any of these barriers, right. I don't have walls to tell me I can't do something. My parents have said that the harder you work, there's, you know, there's a possibility. And so with those two mindsets, I think it's kind of carried me into, to what I am today, you know, fast forward after the military, after after working in a prison, after being a border trade agent, now currently on Mayan's uh, MC, one of the hit television shows, um, you know, it's been it's been a big learning process on my third marriage, right? Like like fails after fail after fail, but 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 from baseball, from life, the resiliency I think is really what's put me where I'm at today. And so, you know, I, I think I just owe a lot of my my mindsets uh, to to what my parents have given me. Right on. And, uh, you know, with the marriages, you know, you can't be in the military with at least, uh, without at least one or two of them. Yeah. I had to earn my stripes, <laughs> you know, and that's part of why, you know, I wanted you on the show because that story right there and that background, I mean, you could have taken a different route. You could have taken a route that was, you know, on the streets, something that was going to get you in trouble. Um, but you didn't. So I know you talked about your parents having a little bit of hard work, but can you go a little deeper into, like choices and stuff you had to make and, and where, where it brought you to that? Yeah. You know, um, 
I found myself pretty much at that big fork in the road in Kentucky. <clears throat> um, I had a daughter with a woman that I, I wasn't really excited about being with. You know, we had already a very, um, you know, unhealthy relationship, just, just, just child kid stuff, jealousies and all those other things that happen when you're 20 years old and, and now a baby's involved. I was trying to play baseball in a, in a city that looks at me like so strange because I had tattoos in Kentucky and it didn't have an accent and I was Hispanic, which was like, you know, <laughs> there was the, every Hispanic out there in Kentucky at the time was a migrant worker. And so they, they usually call them amigos as a reference and not trying to be rude. That's what they called them. And they looked at me like, hey, you speak really good English. I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> so the culture shock of just being in a whole different city, being able to try and find a way to play baseball, try and be successful in college. Uh, but with so much other things going on in my head, I, I failed miserably and I lost my full ride scholarship. And I found myself in a bar sitting next to an old Navy guy watching um, the war on TV and Watching this very particular moment, and Sal and, and Mark, you'll remember this, when there was a Marine putting a flag over the Saddam statue's head, and they were pulling it down. And he was getting oh, – his yeah. family was – yeah, very famous, very famous moment in our in our war. Uh, this Marine's family was being interviewed by Fox or CNN, whoever it was, and, and they're all crying and how proud they were. And I'm sitting in this bar. The bartender knows my regular drink. I'm broke. I'm just a waiter at – Texas Roadhouse. And I realized at that po moment, I was like, man, I have nothing that I believe my family would sit there and be proud of. Right. I just kind of keep screwing things up. And um, that next morning is what made me join the military and try and change that. Right. I, I knew life could change any moment I chose. It was like this thing that was like, oh, all I have to do is just let me, here's the route I'll take. I'll go military. And so I joined the military. Uh, I joined Army Ranger. I was like, what's the hardest thing you got? If I'm going to do it, I want to see it. And, you know, they said Special Forces. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, the hardest thing. I, I think you missed one. <laughs> you know what it was, was I scored a 108 on my ASVAB, and it was a 110 to yeah. qualify for SF, and they didn't have a two-point waiver at the time. So I said, Army Ranger, we'll, we'll do it. And so that's the route I went, and – you know, and from there, it's kind of continued to be these forks in the road throughout my career to get me where I am now. Right on. So, Vince, would you that moment on the bar stool? That was kind of your defining moment then to send you on your path to the military, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so uh, it, you know, interviewing so many people, we've come to realize that people have one, maybe two or three defining moments. You must have had one other defining moment that took you from military to acting or something along those lines. What was that? It, you know, I think the acting has always been uh, in my head. As early as I can remember, I watched the, a one-man show of John Leguizamo. He's a really well-known actor, and it was called Freak. And yeah, I, saw that. I saw that as a kid and saw him make me laugh, almost cry, angry confused and that moment of watching on my I'm in the same house right now i'm in because this is the house i grew up in my my sister bought it for my parents i was in that living room watching it, and i was like blown away that someone could make me feel like the 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 rolodex of emotions is what i like to call it and that was probably the first moment i thought man what an impressive thing to do um from there on you know i did stage crew in junior high and then i started in the theater in college wasn't something i wanted to pursue because baseball was always dominant in my head um when i got into the border patrol my days off i started doing youtube with some friends and it really sparked it sparked it again i was like i'm doing youtube and i'm successful why can't i do the real thing and um, that's kind of what started the path. And, it, and then we're in a really cool time right now where, like, if you want it bad enough, go f do it. Excuse me. You know what I mean? And so. <laughs> you can say what you want. <laughs> but I got a camera and got a friend and we filmed, you know, uh, we filmed a short film and that did well. And I was like, well, let's do more. And so really it was always in the back of my head. I didn't have the confidence to pull that trigger uh, until – Later on in my life, going through a lot of different things, I finally said, if I don't start now, then then I'm going to always be regretting it. And so when I finally made that decision, you know, my wife, my current wife really is the driving factor in saying, well, I support you. Go do it. And uh, once once she she gave me kind of the approval, it really gave me the confidence to go forward.
So, so confidence is really the key. Of... Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Okay. So, Vinny, you said something very interesting to me just a minute ago when you were uh, sitting on that bar stool, and you you, you said, you know, I, I, I can make the change anytime I want. What do you think it? What do you think it takes for that person that's listening to this podcast right now and is familiar with Operation Limitless and understands? that their life is limitless, but they're stuck at that bar stool or that precipice and they haven't decided to make that change. What, what do, would you tell that person? Man, it, it, it's, it's funny. A lot of guys come to me and say, I want to be an actor. I want to be an army ranger. I want to be <clears throat> all these different things that I've done in my career. Right. They, they hit me up and I always tell them do the work. And when I say do the work, it really means like for me, if you take actions towards that, I don't care if it's a small action, a big action, depending on how your confidence level is, where you're at in life. Like I couldn't jump into acting because I still needed to financially – I still had a financial obligation to my family. So I had to take steps towards it to a point where uh, it became a reality, and that's for everyone. So it's like whatever that step is, start taking that step, whether it's an inch, whether it's a centimeter, whether it's a foot, whether it's a mile. You're moving towards that goal, um, and at one point, it's – the fear, uh, you have to take that risk of saying, and, it, and I call it more of a calculated risk. Us with family you kind of have to take calculated risk when making these decisions. That's when you have to say, all right, if I don't go all in, I'm never going to give it my all. And then I'm going to be 50 looking back and saying, I should have done it when I was 20. I should have done it when I was 30. I should have done it when I was 40. Now I'm 50 and I got to start all over again. And so for me, um, it was make that decision. I actually had a process. If this is a good idea, this is good for the family. This is the good route. And how do I start making steps towards it slowly? And then really kind of see if that's like this calculated, like, okay, this works. Let's go. Boom. Jump all in. And and for me, I did a YouTube skit uh, called Dads and Parks. You guys can find it on YouTube. It's like this skit comedy. And we're sitting there doing this improv back and forth. And, and when it was done, he was like, man, that was really great. I was like, thanks. And then he, when he uploaded it, this guy has been in Hollywood for 40 years and I went toe to toe with him improv and it was a success. That's when I knew I was like, Oh, that's it. I deserve to be here. You don't know you can, right? You're always looking for the affirmation. That moment I said, yep, I can be here. Boom. And that's when me and my wife committed to it. And, and I say wife, because she's a big part of my life structure. And if I leave her out, well, then there goes that marriage too. I've learned through my mistakes that I've learned through my, the, the ways of, you know, Sal, Mark, you probably understand I was dedicated to the mission because the mission paid the bills. And so right. here's the bills. The bills are paid. Sounds good. That means I'm good, dad. Now let me be good at my job. The more I'm good at my job, the more I promote. That whole mindset had to go out the door and become like, well, let's as a family unit make that decision. And so now we've been moving forward with this and had a lot of success because we decided to jump all in. We knew uh, it was the right time. And I was, uh, you know, like I had the chops to do it. I, I just had to trust myself in doing it. All right, good. Thank you for that. Yes, sir. Hey, Vince, um, kind of the, the backside of that coin, has there ever been something that you're willing to share that you knew was a good thing for you but didn't have the confidence to actually do and you, you look back and went, damn, I wish I would have, wish I could have? Yeah, you know, it's I should have tried this years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. There's there's a big part of me that always wanted to, didn't know how to, didn't have the confidence to my my first divorce really um and the relationship was unhealthy don't get me wrong it wasn't like it wasn't this heartbreak of this it was more like i'm embarrassed to tell my parents who have been married many 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 years that i'm getting a divorce like here we go here's Vinny who keeps fucking things up right you know what i mean it's like what i felt was like all right they, ex they expect this from me and now i have to tell them here here's what i did you know here's life and that relationship was such an unhealthy relationship for me personally because I I was trying to be the best at my job and then I'd come home like, hey, I was a distinguished undergraduate in this course. And she'd say, who cares? Why does it matter? Hey, I was I, – I, I got the leadership award again. No one cares. Why do you try so hard? And it was like I'm trying – I'm looking for that support system that's that I believe should have been like super proud of me. And when I was coming home, it was more like – why do you care so much about what your work does? It was there's so much animosity from me 
choosing work over the family. And it really jacked me up and saying, well, why try anymore? What's the point? I'm going to come home and no one cares anyways, so screw it. And so that that's years and years of, of being put down, of being feeling like I was had no value. And um, it ate me alive for many, many years. And I didn't know it, right? My family's like, man, you, you, uh, you're different. You know, and then as I, the divorce happened, I started to kind of find myself again. I found this confidence that like, man, I forgot how, how successful I was because it was all just thrown to the side. I don't have any of these awards. I threw them out because I was embarrassed by it. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I got, and, and it's this thing where like, I forgot how successful I was in a world that it ain't easy to keep, be pulling these awards. It's not that easy. And so there is these beautiful things about it that I wish I, I took with me. And now I appreciate. And now I know like, you know what? Those are small signs of like my hard work, my determination, my 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 push to be, to be better. And now I, it's like my wife, if I do karaoke night, she's in the front row cheering me on, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like I have the support structure yeah. that pushes me to be like, do more. And she goes, I think you could win an Emmy. I'm like, what? I'm not that good. But it, that feels good to know that she really believes in me. And that confidence really, uh, you know, if I had that sooner, I'd probably been acting sooner. And how long do you think it took you to um, – two, two-part question. How long did it take you to get your current support structure together? And were you looking for specific pieces when you did that? Or did it just kind of organically happen? Uh, you know, I think I had to be a better version of myself, to be honest, you know, uh, sure. it was one of those look in the mirror moments where mm -hmm. if, if life's not going in the direction it's, I wanted to, or if I'm unhappy in my situation, you know, what am I doing wrong first, you know, before I start pointing fingers, that's a big problem. I feel a lot of people, they want to, they want to blame everyone around them instead of looking in the mirror and say, all right, you suck, let's fix it. Okay. And, uh, when I was able to identify that when this moment in my life where work stopped being as important as kids is when I became a single father. So my first divorce uh, went down. And then in 2012, um, for whatever reasons, I, I, I just don't need to say, I became the single dad, the, the custodial parent who just took care of all four kids. And so I picked them up and we're on a drive from Arizona to Texas. And it's me and four kids in a truck that barely fit the four kids. And, and I was like, okay, there's my life now. I'm, I'm joking with them, listening to music. And as I'm acting like a fool, my daughter, who's now 15, was somewhere around 11 or 9 or 8, somewhere around. Oh, she was, she was 7 years old. She looks up at me and goes, Dad, man, you're funny. You're a funny guy. And that crushed me because I realized, like, yeah, your dad's a funny dude. What are you talking about? How do you not know this, right? And they don't know. Dad's funny because dad gave them that. Dad wasn't there mentoring his kids. Dad wasn't there uh, uh, showing them the side of him. No, dad was this one-track mind, work, pay the bills, I'm a good dad, right? Mm -hmm. I was a paycheck. And that really crushed my soul because in the in the moment of getting a divorce and, and then trying to figure out life, you start really reflecting on things. And, and as I'm growing on the inside, I realize that's the biggest issue. I, I've been sober now two years because I can't remember the first steps of any of my kids. I, I can't remember ever teaching them how to ride a bike besides my 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 uh, now 10-year-old. I can't remember all the little memories that they have because when I was home, I was also drinking. I was also drunk. It was this like answer to my post-traumatic stress. And and that's the saddest thing that I can tell you that that I still to this day feel guilt for that I will always forever be in debt to them saying, my bad. You know, mm -hmm. dad was learning. And I feel bad, Sal. You know I have a little one now. I know they watch me with this little one and be like, well, that sucks because they get a good version of dad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's this thing, right? I can tell you I've grown. I've changed. And those kids to me have been the biggest eye-opener on where life is. I tell people uh, – I say no to work and yes to family more often, and I'm proud of that. And and it might piss people off, and it might make me not look so great in the workspace, but I don't give a shit because my kids have me. That's why, Sal, I go out of my way to coach my kids, even if I barely have the time. That's why I, I FaceTime them. That's why I mentor my kids. I, I am there to raise them in any capacity that they'll allow me to, and I'm just involved, right? Like I say, I'm relevant. 
I don't know about how me 10 years ago, I was not relevant right now. I'm relevant in their lives. Yeah. So Vince, what, what I'm hearing, I think you, you hit on a core belief of everybody that's on here with today. All of us is that it's not how much you do. You just got to be what you want to be to attract what you want into your life. You got to yes. be more, not do more. Yes, sir. You say that's accurate. Yes, sir. That, that's what I heard from your comment for sure. That's a, that's a great story. Bill, we haven't heard from you, man. Why don't you jump in and ask Vince a question here? you got to be well, ready. Allow me to, you're going to allow me to jump in now. So, <laughs> you know. Hey, Vince, how's it going, bro? Good. What's up, bro? I think, I think out of anybody in our panel, like you and I probably resonate the most because we have such similar stories. You know, when you talk about not being relevant as a father – um, that's something that's been an issue in my life as well. You know, I haven't seen my daughter since 2013 and it's been sporadic seeing my son here and there. And it all started off, you know, based off of that whole passion and a desire to go to the Olympics and be the Olympian. But back then it was all about me. It wasn't about my wife at the time, um, you know, my first wife or my son's mom or any other relationship. And as you guys know, man, I've been through a gamut of relationships because I never understood that balance in life um, until now, right? And part of that balance came, you know, you hit the nail on the head, is, is being sober. And for me, you know, that was just one of those things that I didn't want to throw out there to recognize that was an issue in my life. And, you know, thank, thank, thank God that now I have had that opportunity to and and, and get my spirituality in, in, in check and find an amazing partner in my life where I could have her like your wife. She's included in everything that I do. She knows everything that's going on. There's not a single thing that happens in my life without her understanding and know what's going on. You guys probably see her all over Facebook with me too. But, you know, one of the things that I, I, I want people out there to understand is that although, although all those things that we went through and all the things that we're currently doing and all the things that we're hoping to achieve in life is it is a constant progression. It's constant practice. And it's not just like, oh, yeah, I've kind of figured it out. And now I'm just going to step away and this is going to happen. You know, you know, tell people how much work that constantly is because I think a lot, a lot of people have that misper mis misperception that, you know, once you quote unquote, make it to be the great father, to be the great husband or the wife or great dad or whatever that is, great business, that it is still constant work. You don't, you don't step oh, yeah. away. It's just constant work. So if you take, you know, if you don't mind, take a moment of talking about, you know, the work that constantly has to be put in to be who you are and who we are and, and what we want to portray with Operation Limitless. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, one of the quotes that I really love is that, you know, um, an overnight success takes 10 years, right? Like that for me, it's exactly the sentiment of it's work, work, work. And now that I'm, I'm in this position right now, you know, that is, uh, I am probably, I have the most relevance or, or most, I guess, the biggest role in Hollywood as a combat veteran in mainstream television network television, right? So there's no other combat veteran on network television doing as much as I'm doing right now, right? Went to Iraq, went to Afghanistan, yeah, got all that, and boom. No one. That's a big statement, right? That's powerful. And it could change tomorrow. Some some Navy SEAL dude can get a big gig, right? <laughs> Those pretty boys can do it, right? But I'm not SF. Why do you have a Navy SEAL? I mean, <laughs> they got better hair. No offense. <laughs> getting deep in here yeah <laughs> but yeah it's like where i'm at is daily uh reflection every morning i'm like am i still on this path of of having this balance in my life is my relationship still still doing good is my kid relationship with my kids still still good there's these checks and balances that i have to do daily to stay on the tracks right uh and and this will never change same with drinking i still have nightmares and it terrifies me that like I, I just let my family down because as soon as I touch that bottle, it's not the ver the best version of me. And there's there's nothing wrong with drinking. I don't want to say like – I mean for me there is. But anyone else, that's your own life. I don't care what you do. I could sit in a room full of a bunch of drunks and we could have laughs and everything. Cool. I just can't touch that stuff because it doesn't do me well. I'm the guy that starts with one and finishes when the bar closes, right? That's just where my heart's been. I was raised – as 16, 17, drinking with my dad because that's what the Latino household kind of does. It's our culture. We're, we're mu music, food, drinks, 
family, right? And so I had to get that out of my head because for a long time, I believed that. I believed that this is the only way family is connected. In the military, I believed that the only way I can re represent uh, my fallen soldiers was to drink for them. I believed that. I was taught that. I was trained to be an alcoholic through my through my NCOs because I respected them and they taught me that. Hey, after a hard mission, let's go. You know, uh, I got my wife sent me tea in here. It's actually whiskey. Cool. And we, we it's a culture that I was raised up in and it was never healthy for me. You know, and so this takes work daily. It's sobriety is no different than uh, than than discipline, right? I, I'm just disciplined enough not to touch the stuff. I'm also need to be disciplined enough to stay on the tracks for my family. And so every day, I have this thing. You know, it's like we we have to I, like, hey, here's work. Here's what the weeks are. I'm coming home these days because it makes sense for me for you. And then let's set up something. So the other day we met in Vegas, right? Why? It's a, it's a hard week for me. Drive halfway. I'll drive halfway. Let's just do a Vegas weekend because why not? And those are things that we constantly are working towards the balance of life, love, faith, health, you know, and it's like, it's a grind, but this is why I think I stay on the tracks is because we're always working towards that. Like I would love to have six pack abs again, but it's just COVID-19 through on 20, <laughs> you know? And now that's my mindset is, all this is cool, but I can't be here for 20 more years if I'm not focusing on my health as well. And so this is all part of the same, you know, we're on the same tracks here trying to go in the same direction and continue to find success. So Vinny, uh, Vinny, you mentioned uh, faith as a part of that, working on your faith. Aren't you working on a movie right now that, that is a faith-based movie? You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Utah, you know, has a strong, you know, faith-based communities all over the place. And I jumped on a film that I really liked. I helped produce. Um, the character was something that was different than what Hollywood portrays me. You know, they want to portray me as a big scary guy, which is fine. But I, I believe there's more value in me in showing a, a true heart. Mm -hmm. And so this script gave me the opportunity to show that. And we did – it is a faith-based film called Lucy Shimmers and the Prince of Peace. Uh, you can find it on Amazon Prime now. It is out. Um, it's it's a movie that is touching, uh, heartwarming, and it's heavy. It has a heavy subject. And I think every single one of you sit there and watch it. I believe all of you will, will ask who's cutting onions in the room, right? It's one of those films. <laughs> and, it, you know, going back to my life in acting – you know, acting has just as much saved my life as any other therapy that are out there, right? I, I'm, a, I'm a strong component and believer in therapy, in finding counseling, and in, in it's no weakness in, in trying to find a modality that helps you, that better serves your trauma. And besides the, the tons of different versions I've tried, um, acting has been one of those that has allowed me to express emotions when you come from these alpha mindset worlds you know sal you know bill all you guys have been like these alpha dominate where emotions is considered kind of weak that's all starting to change because we realize like emotions are are just a very it's it's human right it's humanity and we feel we hurt we pain we you know and so acting gives me the opportunity to do that and on this movie um i get to go through a wide range of of my emotions and i think you guys would are, are going to appreciate the honesty behind it. Very cool. I look forward to it. Thank you. Hey, Vinny, I want to touch on a couple of things you said uh, earlier on. Um, you talked about when you had lack of confidence to move forward in the filming industry, and you touched on a lot of things that you did to kind of bridge that gap. Um, and I think, you know, with that, all of us have similar moments where we either believed or didn't believe. I mean, Bill's high school coach or junior high coach, I think made the difference for him. Um, you know, I was a late bloomer doing SF, but the lack of confidence, I think paralyzes a lot of people. And, and you're right. I'm 50. So 50 is not old, bro. Let me tell you. Um, 53. So let's all just, you know, Limitless really, that's what the foundation of this was, to build, really build people back up with confidence and to stop doubting themselves. And this is a long-winded question, so bear with me. But 
you know, in the military, we don't have a choice whether we're confident or not. It's more or less do your freaking job or get the hell out of the way or move on or you're right. out. And so, but then when we get these veterans, like myself, probably you included, you come out and back in the civilian world and you're like, where do I fit in? Yeah. What, I have all these skills, but yet now I'm in a different world and the confidence maybe is not there because it's a different, it's a different battlefield. And I know you talked about a lot of the, the alcohol effects and everything and the PTSD and we all have baggage, but like how, how are you helping or how do you bridge the gap between that lack of confidence coming back into, you know, society that doesn't understand what we go through or do, and then still trying to present yourself as a, a valuable asset, like in acting or, you know, uh, you understand where I'm going with this? I mean, there's a transition that you've talked about a lot. Yeah. So we're talking about confidence. We lose it when we get into the civilian world. Yeah. You know, we, you know, the biggest complaint that, you know, I work with a lot of veterans who are struggling with, with, you know, transitioning from, from the gamut of post-traumatic stress and, and, and everything else. And the biggest complaint is they lost their identity, right? And losing your identity is losing confidence, right? That's like being stripped naked and saying, here, walk into a room, crowd a room and watch them all laugh at you. They, you know, essentially they've lost what their, their tribe that they've built for so many years that they've gained trust on that tells you what to wear, where to go, what, what time to wake up. And now they're on their own. So essentially these guys are stripped naked and said, go figure it out. And, and, and for me, um, that is, you know, we, we demonize transition, um, as if it's a scary thing for some reason, the military does it all the time. You, you're telling, you're like, Oh, transition is so scary. Well, yeah, now they start to believe it is when transition, you and all, all of us know in this room, transition is nothing but life, right? Like when you go through a divorce transition, when you started to crawl, went to walk, that was a transition. We've had lived nothing but transitions, but when you start to demonize it, it makes it scary when you should be, uh, excited about it. You should be ready to face it head on, you know, at the same time we have the tools, right? So veterans have these tools, but me as an infantry guy, uh, I got out thinking like, man, I need to find a job with a gun. Cause that's yeah. what I'm good at. That's the normal progression, right? Normal progression, right? Let, let's go back to law enforcement. Let's go con contracting. Let's go. Right. And the reality of it, let's strip back the gun and say, Oh, I got leadership skills. I have, I have so many skills that I can use. And what we've done is we've we've pigeonholed ourselves and we've also given ourselves, you know, these these blinders to realize there every skill set you've learned in the military, whether you're a cook or uh, an infantry guy, uh, there's a skill set there. If you strip it down, that is what's why you've had success. Right. You showed up. You did a contract. You worked hard daily working toward right i say tangible actions daily is what i like to tell these 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 veterans like tangible actions daily do something that's growth right creates growth and in the end of the day to me if you show up you have a plan and go towards something i don't care what it is there's growth right in that process you might find out that's not what you like cool find another one and then find another one. I man, if I could put the list of jobs, I have it somewhere on my phone because I wrote it down today. I think I've had 16 different jobs since getting out of the military. I had to try it to know it wasn't for me. I've been an Uber driver. I've been a car salesman. I've been, I mean, name the list. I've done, I've sold medical equipment. I've done corrections. I was a border patrol agent. I'm now an actor, right? And when I go home, I do it's it's this thing where I'm still trying to find it, but I can't allow myself to be stagnant while still trying to figure that out. I had to move forward. There had to be growth. I didn't want to, in December 31st, like next year, I got to try it. Like, no, no, no. December 31st showed up. I tried 10 different things. They're out. What's next? Every time, if it, and that's to me is what, what was the answer for me. I couldn't stop. I, I had kids. I had bills. I went to school. I did everything I could to figure it out. And then now I'm in this position where like, Man, I've owned how many businesses? Like I've done so many different things. I've learned from each one of those things. And now I feel like a better put together human that has more answers than I did 10, 15 years ago. And that's success for me right now. Like I know what I don't like and I know what I'm not good at. I'll never touch those again. And I know what I'm good at and I'm going towards that. And, and it's and it's finding, you know, it's be becoming a financial financially stable position. It's becoming a very stable position for my family in the balance sense. It's doing everything I need. And so I'll, I'm going to stick to that. But, you know, that's really the push I give guys. I believe when they stay stagnant, um, they're hurting themselves because there is no growth. Right. And I think there has to be some kind of growth, even, even in failure, there's growth. Right. And 
they can't be afraid of fight, failing, right? You can't show up and be like, man, I, I went to school for two years to be a firefighter. I fought two fires and said, fuck this shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> because I was in the middle of the fire. I'm in the hose, and I'm like, this ain't that cool, man. This ain't for me. My dad's a 32-year firefighter. My brother's been firefighting for 15 years. They laugh when I tell them that story. I'm like, yeah, I probably could have done it, but it wasn't in my heart. I felt right away like, nah, I'm good. Next, yeah. you know, and so it just took a lot of a lot of getting knocked down before I figured it out. Well, and and Brett's a big component, and you know, all of us here is that failure should be your friend. Um, and you know, for vets, we come out, we don't like something, and sometimes we mistake that for I'm not good at it. Yeah, and it's not so much that, and we we strip ourselves of our own confidence and our own skill sets that you said, you know, leadership. Uh, dedication, um, loyalty, all that stuff. But, you know, the confidence is a big thing. And I think without confidence in any setting, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to move forward. It's hard to focus on a 10 meter target. I agree. I agree. You know, it's one of those things I I tell my kids fail often fail early, right? Like do it all now, build that resiliency and, and you'll know what it feels like. It's like wrestling. Sal. we sit there, we watch our kids wrestle and, and the part of me always wants them to find success, but the other part of me, I love when they lose big, big matches because I'm like, good, that's so cool. Like, like, you like, you learn so much more from that. That heartbreak, feel it, feel it, and let that motivate you to work harder, to strive to do more, and accept. Like, but did you die? You know what I mean? We learn from that. We keep moving, and so I love it. And I mean, you know, the confidence for me at one point was really. Uh, necessary like it it was the necessity i needed if i didn't have that confidence my my kids wouldn't eat so i had to even if it was this almost uh you know even false motivation or whatever it was that in the military when you're like you know like i think i was hooing my way to try and find a job just to make it just just to find a way to 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 keep the bills paid don't act like you don't know that saying it was created in the rangers what are you talking about Vince, I think you hit on so many powerful psychological concepts in there, you know, one failing forward or teaching yourself that there's no such thing as failure. It's only feedback. And I think that's something that's really overlooked is if you stop like what you're doing with your kids and what Sal's doing, we're all doing with our kids or have at some point is there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. Right. You, you, you did 16 jobs or 19 jobs, whatever that huge number was after the military. It wasn't failure. It wasn't failure in, in any sense of the imagination. From what I see, it was just feedback. I don't like that. Next. I don't like that. Next. Right. And with your kids, same thing. I think you're teaching some really, really valuable lessons. I work with kids all the time, all the time. And to change their programming from failure to feedback takes some time. But once they get it, once we all get it, it's one of the most empowering things you can do. So I commend you for that mindset, not being one of those helicopter, snow plow, or any other type moniker you want to put on it for that type of parent. So that's awesome. That's Thank awesome. Because you. you it would be easy for you to do that with your background, right? Yeah. Talking about alcoholic. My mom was a pretty severe alcoholic. <laughs> um, would have been easy for me to run down that path. Bill's got a similar story, you know, um, there's someday we'll all sit and we'll share, but, um, I think what you're doing super, super important there. That's, that's just awesome. And, and what you're showing your kids is outstanding. So, um, Mark, I thought, I think I cut you off. I'm sorry. Did you have a question or was I imagining? No, you didn't cut me off. I had said in the chat, could I ask uh, something next? I wanted to I wanted to touch on something that, that I, I want to hear how Vinny will share the results of this, but uh, Vinny, I don't know if you read any of, of our backgrounds or what I did, but but uh, previous to, uh, to, to the, the business that I run now, uh, I was the director of, of the extreme endurance program for the Spartan race. And one of the programs that they have is, is uh, a 60 hour endurance event called the Agogi. And, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's an endurance event like many others that challenge you to find something within yourself to help you get through that event. But one of the key sort of preparatory phrases that we use in in that is, 
either when someone's trying to get ready for an event like this or they're in the middle of an event like this, um, similar to any mission uh, in the military and or just life, right? This transition that you're talking about is that there's this concept of start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And so I'd like to, if, if that resonates with you at all, I'd like you to kind of speak to that and in any, maybe share an example or two in your own life where that's been true. Yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, in the military, in my world, they call the fake it till you make it, right? It's, yeah. it's a very, very similar. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, the first day on set on a big multi-million dollar set, my character has lines for the first time. And I'm sitting here around three actors who are, are very seasoned. And I told myself, fuck these guys, man. I've done harder shit, right? <laughs> and in my head, I had to tell myself that or else I would have choked. Uh, and I actually did the first, they said action and I froze and they said, cut, you ready? I said, I'm good. Boom, action. And boom, I hit him with it. And I, one of the actors looked at me after was like, that's pretty good. And I was like, thank you. Holy crap. Right. And then I went home and started reading and studying. I got an acting coach. I got, I had to fully engulf myself in this, but I didn't let it stop me because I didn't have the confidence. Right. Some people call it uh, perfection paralysis. Right. I, like some people wouldn't even try to be an actor until they felt perfect. Like, screw that. Fake it till you make it. I'm good enough. Go. And it was kind of like once I got there, I got my foot in the door is where I actually got better. So from first season till till the third season, I think my acting has extremely improved. But it was I got there and with what I had and what I believed, I genuinely believed I could I should be there. And then I proved it to myself. And then from there, I've just gotten exponentially better. And so uh, I hope that answers your question, Mark. But that's for me is I've, I think I've done a lot like that, right? I went into the range yeah. of talent like that. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you couldn't have said it any better because the whole the, the, the beginning phrase of that is start where you are. And you said you went to act, you got some acting, coaching and stuff after you already started. You just started. And then you, yeah. and that's the whole point of, you know, use what you have. You just took a, a, an inventory of what skills you had and what confidence you had and went after it. And then you did the last part of the phrase and, and that, and that's just, just do it. And you did. So uh, that's exactly the, I, I was hoping that the limitless uh, listeners would uh, be able to put those two together. So thank you for that. Yes, sir. Bill looks like in the chat, you wanted to ask a question. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're going along uh, some of the, you know, the perfect lines that, you know, is a foundation for Operation Limitless. And, you know, obviously, you know, some of us come from pretty extensive, cool backgrounds with, you know, Mark and Spartan Agogi, Brett, seventh degree black belt, Sal and Vince and military, um, me in the, as the as Olympics and stuff too. But, you know, one of the things that I, I had problems with too, Vance, because um, it just doesn't happen to, you know, military or Olympians. This happens to everyday people. We talk about that transitional phase of life and how hard it is. And one of the things I want people out there to realize is what we're talking about applies to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a mom transitioning from having a kid to, you know, being a full-time mom, uh, an executive transitioning from one position to another, you're transitioning from a job to another job. Um, all this stuff applies. And I know what I want, you know, listeners to truly understand the mistakes that I made um, because of ego, being Olympian, the very, very best in the world, and, you know, always being at such a high level mindset and knowing that I could accomplish anything is that when I retired and it was time for me to go through that transition, I thought I could do it all on my own. And for the longest times, eight and a half years of my life, I put myself through absolute hell trying to figure out this new life that I was cast into after the Olympics. And when I realized that not only did I have the tools and the assets like you talked about, you know, you know, again, whether it's being military or, or Olympian or seventh degree black belt or whatever, I had such an amazing skill set of tools, but I failed to utilize the one tool that I used that found success in the first place. And that was utilizing the people that were around me, my coaches, my teammates, my family, my friends. And I always tried to do it on my own and I never, ever asked for help. 
And that led me down the most insane, chaotic, depressive, alcoholic, suicidal path that anyone could ever be on that I'm so thankful that I eventually came out of that and, and asked for help and became what we, you mentioned something earlier, vulnerable enough as a big Olympian, six foot, 265 pound man of muscle became vulnerable to ask for help, to reach out to Brett, to ask Sal, to ask Mark, to ask Vince, to ask Brett, Brad, and, and just say, hey man, I don't, I, can't, I don't have this figured out. I need some help. Yeah. And yeah. Once, I was, once I was able to do that, it was unbelievable at amount of opportunities that, that came through and, and how things have started to progress. So if you can talk about that for a moment, because I really want people to understand this is not just for high level Olympians and yeah. black belts and military personnel. Yeah. You know, there's two quotes in my head that I, I like to say, uh, your ego is a buddy fucker, right? In the military, <laughs> you know, your ego will we'll have you doing the dumbest things for no reason that I understand it. I've tried and, and completely throw that ego out. If you ever walked into a jujitsu gym, most of them have leave your ego at the door. Right. You know, because like, that's how you get hurt when you walk in with ego, but it's just a small representation of, of the big world of things. Ego will kill us all if we let it. Um, and the, and the other parts of that is, uh, you were talking about, God, you were well, the first part of your question was, was, Give it to me again. I'm sorry, I lost it. No, I mean, I was, obviously a whole bunch of things, but the problem was like you know we 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 had all these school these tools and assets, but the, the thing I failed to do is reach out for help. Right, right, right. And so the other thing I like to say is you know I don't believe in when people say I'm self-made. You know the self-made thing blows my mind because. There's nowhere, nowhere in my life have I ever been considered a self-made. My dad, my mom, everyone around me, someone has supported me in the sense of put me where I'm at. I'm not a self-made actor. There's other people that put their put their you know their job on the line or gave me opportunity, and and that's just a sense. We need to be able to trust that we're, we're all human. Like in the end of the day, Sal, uh, me, Mark, whoever was military, we got out. We're civilian again, right? Like, let's just, you know, we have training, but we're civilian. And you as an Olympian, you're still civilian. We're all humans, man. And if you forget that, that's the ego. The ego's telling you, like, no, I'm an Army Ranger. No, I'm an Olympian. Ego, boom, out the door. Now I'm human. We all have trauma, whether we had it before we joined the military, after the military, before Olympic, after Olympic. It doesn't matter. We all, everyone in this world, like, everyone is trying to do two things. You know, what, they, they don't want to be alone. None of us want to be alone, and we want to find happiness. Like, whatever that happiness is. That is the root of all this. So if you strip down all the – everything you've ever done in your life, all the chapters in your life before that, no one cares. In the end, the end book is – the end chapter is like, and they were happily ever after. You see what I'm saying? And so that's the truth behind it, right, is happiness comes from dropping the ego and, and allowing the, the world around you to assist in, in all of us being great, right? They say it takes it takes a village. You know, It genuinely takes a village for my own happiness. I have counselors, I have friends, I have confidants, I have my wife, I have my kids, everybody in this circle, and they have me, you know, and without that, my friend was the one who first told me, like, bro, you need counseling, right? And I was like, bah, I'm good, you know what I mean? And eventually, he called a counselor who came to me, and she said her first lines to me, which is, I'm going to give her cre uh, credit here, her name is Tanya Glenn, she's out of uh, Austin, Texas, an incredible counselor for post-traumatic stress, and she said, and she does EMDR. Right. She said, fuck your feelings. It's 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 a chemical thing. Let me help you. And I was like, whoa, who what kind of counselor talks like that? Right. It blew me away because that to me is how I needed to be told. I needed to be put in my place like it's not a feelings thing. It's a genuine chemical reaction in your brain. It is hormones that have been thrown off. Let me help you get these. I wasn't sleeping. So my sleeping was getting combated with alcohol right you know what i mean and i'm trying to heal myself it's like the self-healing like i'll figure it out i don't need no one to know my drama my pain my you know i can't tell someone that you know the scenario in iraq that shouldn't bother me completely haunts me like i don't want to tell people that. i didn't want to tell people that still to this day guys in ranger battalion will be like you're a boo. you know what i mean whatever they'll call you all those names because i feel bad right that is something that I had to get over. I had to drop that ego. I had to allow people to in and be like, hey, you need help? Sounds good. If my closest friends tell me that, and then it's like, oh, crap, maybe I do. 
that's when I realized I got counseling from her. From there, I started getting way more open to all kinds of different modalities. Right now, I'm on a quest to find them all and try them all. Like, let's go. Let you Horse therapy, I'll try it. You know what I mean? Cold weather therapy, let's do it. I don't care what it is. If you're telling me it can heal pain, let me try it. Right. So then I can turn around and tell my buddies around me, hey, dude, I think you should try this. This, this is going to be healthy for you. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I, you know, I, I agree and I support that 100 percent. You know, it's it's one of those things, too, that I had to figure out through life. And, you know, it's it's interesting when people ask me, like, how I'm finding success I have right now. Like one of those first things is like, you know, what I took the ego and I toss it out the window. Um, and then, you know, the counseling and stuff, too. I, I have a counselor. Um, relationship therapist that, therapist that my girlfriend and I go to literally from day one in our relationship. So every Tuesday, and then we have homework every week. And people are like, and, and, I, and I really want to throw this out there because guys like us that are on here right now that have had big egos or could qualify to keep that big ego are saying, hey, toss it out the window because we know what it takes to find success. And the ego is not part of that algorithm for you to find success and there's so many guys out there like you know in a relationship especially you need to get some uh, relationship counseling i don't need that shit i'm good man why do i need that no yeah you do you actually need it more than anyone else so check your ego at the door look in the mirror and have a conversation with yourself and say you know what are you doing right now to be successful in your relationship work life whatever it is and you know i i'll, I'll tell everybody to the day i die yeah my it's difficult, I'm not going to lie, to go and sit into a therapist and have her or him tell me like what problems I have. But when I take a time out, I'm like, yeah, they're right. And then it then helps me better understand and go throughout my day, whether it's work, business, me mentoring other people. Um, but more importantly, my foundation, you know, my we talked about it before, my family, my relationship with my amazing girlfriend right now and my friends right here. So Thanks for just commenting on that. I appreciate it. For sure, brother. Hey, Vince, uh, a couple of questions I like to ask everybody. And one is, um, can you share a time when everything around you was falling apart? And because of your level of confidence, your leadership training, your uh, skills that you learned, whether military or on the set or wherever, um, you took a negative situation and through your own actions kind of changed the dynamic of things around you and the people around you for something a lot better. Can you share something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we all kind of experienced the whole COVID uh, scenario. Right. And that for me, I mean, listen, my money, my, the majority of my money comes from acting, you know, and when COVID shut down, acting shut down. So where are those paychecks? Who's going to fulfill that need? <clears throat> and that's not a, you know, that's my primary financial, you know, check. And so when that shut down, um, you know, for some reason, when I get stressed out, I, I work harder, right? Whether it's in here or actually physically, uh, I was able to, to, I, I've been a social media guy for so many years. And so I jumped onto a company and started running their social media, right? Boom. There's a, there's a supplemental check that I needed. That's not a lot. It's enough. I, I started making music. I wrote, a, I wrote another book. I, um, you know, I, 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 postured up my, my podcast to do more. You know, I started taking on other opportunities. I started doing more speaking engagements. I, I, I land, I fulfilled the check for seven months by focusing on what I'm good at. Right. You know, this, this little thing like, okay, I can't go to California act, but what I am good at, I can speak publicly. So I get paid for that. I booked a few gigs. Boom. Those paychecks are there now. Now the family gets to eat. The lights are still on. I started making music. Why? Because you know, in the long run, I, I've been wanting to make music. I've been wanting to, I said, dude, just do it already. Why, why haven't you put out some music, a $200 check showed up in the mail. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Started streaming freaking video gaming. Why? Because it's a big veteran community that loves video gaming. It's another way of bringing that camaraderie together when we're stuck in our houses. Cool. Started streaming, started getting paid. Right. And it was this interesting thing where like, what I did was like, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I have in my, my disposal. 2020 will not define me by, I just, I, I broke. No, no, no. It motivated me to push even harder. I signed a sponsorship deal with USAA for for, for 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 it's done now, but during that time, which is one of the biggest veteran companies in the world, they looked for me 
and I and I reached out to them. It's like, let's do this, right? These weird things happen because you know I've really believed in that energy. I put that positive energy out there. I pushed really hard. I started working. The the things in my brain started connecting. Like I can call this guy. Let me see if he needs help. Let me see if I can speak at this event. And all the stuff I, I was able to supplement that money that I was lost in acting, and now continue to continue to have that. So now I've built more income just by that that fear of losing everything because of COVID. Nice. You did what we refer to as stacking wins, right? You stack little wins, they became bigger wins, and those stacks just grow, right? So that's Love awesome. That. That's awesome. Hey, I, I want to ask you this. I don't want to be respectful of your time. No, um, no but, um, do you have a mindfulness practice or a mindset practice that you go through on a daily basis? Mindfulness has become a huge uh, thing in corporate America, high level sports, you know, there's people working with special forces, Navy SEALs like Brene Brown and other people on mindfulness. Navy, I don't know why Navy SEALs get so much love. I don't get it. <laughs> I, I bring I bring it up because it causes cell stress. And <laughs> in a minute. But hey, you're, hey. Talking to three, you're talking to three army guys here. Yeah, in Hollywood, <laughs> they always hire the Navy SEAL for and I, I'm like, wait, you, I can do it. I I Trust me, I'm fine. I'm qualified for this as well. <laughs> so let's leave those guys out, the pretty boys, as you called them. Um, do you have a practice like that that you use? You know, it's it's my world is a little different, and I think you know, being in the 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 Hollywood space, being in the place where now my face is my brand, and as well as my my lifestyle, um, I'm I'm approached every day by someone. To, to take a picture, to ask me this, can I, can I, can I sign? And it's interesting. It's different, right? But for me personally, I have to stay grounded. Like I really always tell myself I'm no better than anyone else, right? I've, I, I, we're all here. I might have a job in acting, but that doesn't make me here. It actually keeps me still right here, right? That is my daily routine is answer and, and it, it might not be this, you know, this mindfulness, but it is in my world. If I lose, if I lose my my grounding, I could potentially lose everything. Sure, that's right? very, very mindful. Right. So, so acting for me, and I tell people like, I don't need this. I can walk away from acting as soon as my wife says, "Hey, I'm tired. I'm tired of you being gone." Cool. Bye. Because there is no ego in this. I'm not chasing fame. Like if you chase things to me, I think I think the chase for some people is where they lose themselves. People mm -hmm. are like, I'm chasing followers. I'm chasing likes. I want this. you know. And it's like, uh, okay, that's weird because I've never chased it. When you chase it, you lose a little bit of yourself, right? You lose a little bit of genuineness because now you're now you're the dancing monkey for the crowd. Let, mm -hmm. me, enter let me entertain you. I don't ever want to be that. Everything I put out, I have to tell myself, is it genuine? Is it me? Is it something that is just natural? Yeah, well then cool, let's do it, right? If it's like, let me see how many likes and get off this one, I'm losing myself every time I do that. And I can't, I refuse to do that because when you lose yourself a little by little by little, uh, you eventually you're you're a whole different person, and you won't even recognize yourself when you look in the mirror. And the, the world around you will change dramatically. As in, you'll lose your wife, you'll lose your kids, you'll lose everything that you held dear, because you fed the machine. Mm -hmm. And that is something daily. I I try and strive like, do not be that fucking dude, man. Awesome. Yeah. If I may jump in too, Vinny, I love that because all of us have come from humble backgrounds and and staying grounded. And is one of the biggest things. And even on my team, like I told dudes, you're coming on my team. I'm the team daddy. If you're not humble, find a new home. Because I'm not here to show everybody what I got on my sleeve. I'm here to do a job. And if you're on my team, you're going to do the same thing. We're not going to, you know, act like we're different and we're prima donnas. Um, you know, the Navy SEALs, I give them a hard time, but I'm just jealous of their hair. That's all. <laughs> Um, but, you know, the thing I want to – I'll say this, and then obviously I'll let whoever's going to close out or whatever's going on. But I think the common thread amongst all of us, all of us, and, and people need to understand that no, life's not perfect. And adversity is going to come. Adversity is going to kick you in the nuts, and it's going to try to knock you down, and you're going to have it. And it's, it's really the fact that, you know, as we always say, we just never quit. You just never stop doing what you got to do. Um, and it's a message I'm trying to send my kids, whether I'm coaching the football or 
you know, doing basketball or something, my biggest message to all of them is we're going to be on that island by ourselves. We're going to have a hard time. But the thing is, you don't quit. And as Bill said, you reach out, you ask for help, you do what you got to do to get through it. And, and that's what life is. It's, it's funny saying a buddy of mine from, you know, I was in the also the special operation of the Border Patrol. And that selection was, I mean, it goes toe to toe with selection in, in, in the military. I, I, I genuinely was like, okay. I respect this on, on every level if I did military. And one of my buddies, you know, they interviewed him and they said, so, so how, how could, you know, they try to get you to quit. How come you didn't quit? And he said, I'm just too stupid to quit. And that man stuck with me, right? Like that mentality some, is, is so beautiful. Like the, I, calling himself stupid, my, it's whatever you want to take from it. But it was so genuine. Like, yeah, you got to be so dumb that you don't even know there's a quit button, right? Like continue. I, there is no, there is, yeah, like, there's no quit button in this. I don't even know what that is. Like, I'm too stupid to know that button exists. I'm just going to keep driving through. And that is so like that, that word alone to me, like when he said that, I was like, fuck, that's exactly what I've been my whole life. <laughs> you know what I mean, I didn't know there was a quit, button. there was that option is there for some people remove that option off the table. Then there is no quit. True that. True, yeah. and my GPA wasn't that high too, so I was, I was too dumb too. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we wind down, does anybody have a, a last question for Vince, or maybe a couple, or anything? I've got a couple things I want to end with, but I, I have a few things. You know, I would love to jump in if you don't mind. You know, I, I just love the the fact that this podcast is is the limitless podcast. You know, and and to me, there's a few things that I can say to those that that I think would be very valuable. Um, some of us in this room, all, I think all of us have experienced it. There's a thing called um, imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. you know, and that is a big one for a lot of us. Like I, I don't know why I'm in the position I'm in today. And I wake up sometimes thinking like, I don't deserve to be here. There's way better people, way cooler dudes with way better messages, you know? And so sometimes that slows me down and I don't, you guys listening, I really don't want that to be your breaks, right? I, don't be your own breaks is what I told my niece. She's trying to be a singer. She's incredible, but she doubts herself. Like, don't be your own breaks. That's, that's, that's weird, right? Why would you do that? Why would you slow yourself down? Because your thought of you don't deserve it. Dude, there was 20, 30, 40 other Instagrams, Right before there was Instagram, and Instagram had the best marketing, and it was a bit. Instagram had the balls to be Instagram, mm -hmm. and and everyone in this group, once you have the confidence to to do something, you have to do it because even you can have the most skills in the room, but be the quietest voice, no one cares. You know what I mean? And so at some point, we have to throw out this imposter syndrome and tell yourself, yes, I deserve to be here. Yes, I deserve to be heard. Here's what I want to give the world. You know what I mean? And and if you change one life, you know, if someone in your family, it don't matter, man, it was worth it. Right. And so this imposter syndrome, it eats me alive. I go to counseling just for this alone, because all of a sudden I'm like speaking in front of 500 people. I'm speaking in front of 10,000 people. I'm like, why me? What am I doing? Should I shouldn't be here. Someone else could do it. Call Sal. Right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but this thing is that can be the biggest deterrence. Not the fact that you're not ready for it. It's just the fact that immensely you can't accept the fact that you're ready for it. And you actually, of my two last questions, you just answered one of them. What would your message be to someone who needs to boost confidence, inspiration, motivation? So yeah. you pretty much answered that question. So uh, nice work there. Um, do you have a favorite motivational quote? Yeah. Uh, you know, that one that I said earlier really would be, I, I think about it, you know, I don't believe that there, any of us are self-made. I think that that needs to get thrown out and realize we're a team. You know, and everything we do, there's someone who's given us and that that overnight success takes 10 years like you start now. You know, there's a tilt. There's a tipping point. You know, that tipping point won't happen until you start. And so that overnight success takes 10 years. People all the time like, oh, man, crazy. You're acting like, man, when did you start that? I'm like, ha, a long time ago. You know what I mean? A long, I didn't just show up and say, hey, you're good enough. No, I've been working towards this. So. Put in that work. But to me, yeah, overnight success takes 10 years. It's like that old Chinese proverb, right? When was the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? When's the next best time right now? Yeah. <laughs> right? So, um, Vince, tell us or tell the listeners how they can be drawn into your world more, how they can connect with you, see you on more shows, uh, see where you're speaking, get your book. Draw us into your world a little bit. What can we help promote for you and tell people how to get a hold of you? 
Yeah, so you can find my Instagram at vincent.rocco.vargas. I answer every single message that comes through. No doubt. You message me, I answer you. And so hit that up. You can hit my Instagram up. That's the easiest way. You can find me if you just Google Vincent Vargas. There will be my Facebook page there. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at the real underscore Rocco. So whatever platform you use, I just started figuring out this clubhouse. I want to start hopefully doing speaking on that clubhouse every morning. But, you know, I'm still trying. Social media is going crazy, so I'm trying to figure these all out. But veteran.com, that's veteran with a B. You guys check that out starting February 1st, we're going to be giving away a truck. All you have to do is purchase a shirt. Every $5 purchased goes towards an entry to win. Sounds like a gimmick. That's a marketing gimmick to raise a lot of money to build transition centers for veterans. Okay, That's the goal. The heart behind it, I swear to you, you will see it happen whether whether this business does well or not. This is the push for me. I own the company Veteran. I'm all about starting with my community first, and then I'll step outside and help the rest of the world. But my community is in, in desperate need of some leaders to to push them in a better direction. Um, and so Veteran is my movement. So you guys go check out Veteran.com. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. And I know I speak for the guys without much hesitation. I mean, you get back to Utah, if we can help you in some way when you're back here in the state, you know, don't hesitate to tap on our shoulder. I think everybody here would be in agreement that, we, we really respect what you've got going on and we're, we're here to help. So I'll have to get you out to one of our events as well. For sure. Just let me know. <laughs> Anybody have any closing thoughts before we go? No, Vinny, I think the uh, ass sniffing is over. You know how military guys do. So I'm just telling you, you know, there's a lot of love going on. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciated the, the personal nature of the, of your stories too. Thank you very much for that. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Well, Vince, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, we'll get this edited and we'll get the information out to you. We'll do everything we can to push your organizations and the things that you've got going. And, and again, just really appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. And as always, if anybody listening has questions, comments, concerns, um, just reach out to us. We're easy to find on Facebook, Sal, Mark, me, Bill. Uh, everybody's got multiple social media platforms. Or you can email me if you want something more private, brett at brettlechtenberg.com, as we're setting up all of our emails for Operation Limitless. Uh, that'll be done in the next few days, too. So anyway, with that being said, I'm going to end this broadcast. And Vince, everybody may ask you to stay on the, on the line for just a minute. Anyway, so take care, everybody. Hello everyone, this is Brad Neufeld, host of Resilience. You can catch my show every morning at 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on the Resilience Talk Network. Tune in to discover what it takes to overcome any challenge that you may face in life. You'll be glad you did.